You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. Um, Again, if you're here for the first time, I'm so thankful that you're here. Uh, We're going through the book of Daniel right now and uh, really have been inspired uh, by reading God's word and uh, really understanding God's plan uh, for all mankind, but especially during this period of the old, of Jewish history uh, and seeing God unveil his plan over history. It's so cool to look back. Uh, we do have, I know we have several people sitting in the back uh, or like standing in the back. We do have a lot of uh, seats available here in the first three rows. Um, again, it's kind of funny how we choose to sit in the back. Uh, nobody wants to sit in the front because then everybody will know you're here at church or something. I don't know what it is. But uh, I do want to encourage you, um, you know, if you're standing in the back, we don't really want people standing in the back. It's kind of a fire hazard. So please sit down. Uh, there's some seats here available in the first few rows. Amen. In the eye of the storm. That's the name of our series. And we're gathering tools on how to approach and deal with challenge and difficulty in our lives. As well as what it means to be living in the world, but not be of the world. Um, you know, one of my favorite movies and kind of series movies is the Lord of the Rings kind of series there. And um, so I got to nerd up on you for a little bit here. Um, OK, so you got Sam and Frodo, right? And uh, Frodo and Sam, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get the ring to Mordor and, and destroy this ring of terror, you know, and in the darkest moments, kind of a cool uh uh, side lesson on just this friendship and being there for each other. But, um, you know, in the darkest of moments when Frodo is about to give up, Sam comes in and encourages him, you know, and, and he reminds him of home and he reminds him of first breakfast and second breakfast. And he, and he reminds him that, that, and what it does, it helps Frodo get grounded in envisioning what it would be like to be at home. And, and this hope, this this vision uh, of hope sort of helps Frodo to continue the journey, right? And yet Sam is like, listen, I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. And so he carries him and lifts him up and they go. And I'm probably messing, combining all scenes in my head here, but I'm just saying it's, a, it's awesome. I love it, right? And, um, and this hope, but, but I, I want to focus on this part because in the darkest time, the darkest moment of Frodo's journey, Sam was right there with him, giving him hope. And I want to talk about that today. How in the darkest of moments in our lives, God can give us hope. We can find hope. There are times in our lives where there is so much darkness or despair, where giving up feels like it's the only option. You may feel this way today. Sitting here right now, maybe there's been a tragedy. Maybe your faith in God or faith in humanity is completely low. Maybe there's a deep pain of loneliness or questioning of God's plan for your life that has led to a sense of hopelessness. Maybe your marriage isn't going as you would would have hoped when you originally got married. And there's a dark cloud around your home. And in those moments, even though we may not see it, there can be hope. We're going to read Daniel chapter 9. Let's turn our Bibles here, Daniel chapter 9. In those moments, there can be hope. We're going to see three ways from this chapter 
that we can find hope today that we're going to learn here from Daniel chapter 9. It's not amazing like rocket science here. This is very simple, the simplest solution to the darkest moments that God provides. But it works over and over again in the history of his people. Israel, as we know, has been destroyed by the Babylonian army. Daniel and his friends as teenagers have been taken into captivity, having to live in a land not their own, influenced by a culture that goes against their Jewish upbringing, persecuted for their beliefs, taken care of by God, misunderstood for their commitment to one God, living a life that they had not expected or wanted or prepared for with every excuse to be upset with God or blame God and question God and yet Toward the end of Daniel's life, we see what he's doing and where he finds his hope. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 1. Let's read together here. If you don't have a Bible, please try to get close to somebody who does so we can read together. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Okay, so Daniel is living in this time, and he sees he's lived in captivity of the Babylonian kingdom this whole time, and then he sees a new kingdom emerge and take over. And he's reminded, man, I've, I've seen this before. I've read this somewhere. And he, so he picks up his Bible He's, got, he's having his quiet time. And he starts reading the prophet Jeremiah, words that were written 50, 40, 50 years prior to Daniel, already considered to be scripture to the Jewish nation. Here's what he's actually reading. Let's read, I'm going to read some of the prophecies, some of the things that, that he's reading to get his hope here. In Jeremiah 25, he, he's probably reading this, you know, the whole, this whole country will become a desolate wasteland and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. But when the 70 years are fulfilled, I will punish the king of Babylon and his nation, the land of the Babylonians for their guilt, declares the Lord, and will make it desolate forever. This is written 50 years before Daniel. Daniel is actually watching this begin, watching this start. The Persian army has come in, has defeated Belshazzar in the chapters before. We see that happen. Daniel's living this right now. And he's reading this. He's like, wow, this is happening. A couple of chapters later in chapter 29, this is what the Lord says. When, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Daniel is reading a verse that many of us read for ourselves. But we don't understand that he is living in it right then at that moment. You know, when you read this verse in the context of who it was written to and what was happening, it makes it so much richer than how you and I tend to say it, see it. We read this and we're like, oh, God has plans for me. God has hope for me. God has, he's going to prosper me. 
I just need this. It's way deeper than you. It's way bigger than you. In fact, I found this kind of obnoxious meme the other day. Actually, somebody showed it to me. I was cracking up, but I, I wanted to show it to you. It's Willy Wonka here. Oh, you think that Jeremiah 29, 11 is all about you? Please tell me more about your Babylonian exile. You know, and it's, it's a little sarcastic sometimes, you know, to, to how we approach Jeremiah 29. But I'm telling you guys, if, if you actually read this in the context of this and saw, man, you would gain an insight into the nature of God and understand, man, Daniel read this and wow, I'm getting hope in the darkness. See, good Bible study is being able to put yourself into that situation and understand the context. And it shows us, it definitely shows us God's nature in general, but, but it makes it much richer and deeper when we read it within the context. In despair, in darkness, Daniel is reading this and he finds, and we can find, hope. Number one, we can find hope in God's word. Daniel, in seeing the prophet's words, was able to see what was happening and about to happen through the lens of God, and it gave him greater perspective. See, by the time Darius was becoming king of Babylon, it was almost 70 years since Nebuchadnezzar had taken the Jews into exile and destroyed Jerusalem. And Daniel trusted in God's word, and it gave him comfort and perspective. You know, when you and I go a few days without reading God's word, and we get our perspective from CNN or Fox News, no wonder we feel hopelessness in the darkness. No wonder we become saddened or cynical or critical or even more than anything, fearful. Living a life of fear because we're getting our perspective outside of God's Word. Psalmist, the psalmist in chapter 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. And he continues on, he's talking about how the word of God is like honey, sweet from the honeycomb. The psalmist here praises the word of the Lord, perfect, refreshing the soul, trustworthy, making us wise, right, giving joy, radiant, giving light to the eyes, pure, enduring forever, firm, righteous. But let me go watch CNN real quick. Let me view this YouTube channel. That's where I get my, my meat. That's where that feeds me. This random sermon that I'm listening to over here, that's going to feed me for the week. Daniel read Jeremiah and the people had heard of his prophecies and they were able to find hope in the midst of the toughest, most darkest times in their history. The Christians in the early church were being persecuted and imprisoned and put to death and, and were able to read or listen to Jesus' words and find hope despite the most challenging times when it seemed there was no hope. Next time you're stuck in the mud and overwhelmed by the darkness, let me encourage you, open up the scriptures. Go to a psalm. Read a proverb. Meditate on one of Jesus' parables. You will find hope hope in the darkness. 
if reading the Bible overwhelmed and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is such a long. Where would I start? Do I start at Genesis? Do I start at Matthew? Like, where do I start? Let me encourage you. Ask somebody to help you to understand the Bible and where to start. Sometimes we need a coach to encourage us and help us get into God's word. I remember looking at this book and saying, I, this does not interest me at all whatsoever. I don't know what to read. I don't know where to start. And sometimes it'd be like, my parents would be like, you should read the Bible. Okay, uh, I'm just going to open up here. Leviticus something. <laughs> like, don't have sex with animals. What? What is this all about? Do you understand what I'm saying? I needed in my life, I needed a coach. I needed somebody to come alongside me and say, okay, Rube, try this. Read this here. Read this chapter here. Read this psalm here. And as I started reading the Bible, it gives me hope. It gave me hope. I want to challenge the Christians here, the followers of Jesus. Some of you are reading spiritual books and debating theology with spiritual books. And I love spiritual books. I read a lot of spiritual books. But I want to challenge you. Stop listening to, to, to sermons. And I'm, that's my question. Open the Bible. Open the Bible and read it to yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like, just feed yourself. Stop waiting for somebody else to spoon feed you. You feed yourself. Sometimes in our advice giving, there are too many opinions and life experiences, which are totally fine. But where is Scripture? Let's point each other. When we're giving advice and we're counseling, we're helping. Let's give each other Scripture and find hope in God's Word. Amen? You know what Daniel does as he starts, as he reads Jeremiah, as he's reading these words? It prompts him to pray. You know, just like when you and I, trust me, when you read God's Word on a consistent basis, it prompts you and it causes you to pray. When I read my Bible sometimes, I'm like, God, I don't understand. What are you saying? I mean, it prompts me to pray. God, I can't do that. I can't obey this. Help me. I am sinful. I'm in the darkness. I, I need light. Help It prompts us to pray. And so where did Daniel find his hope? He found his hope in God's word, but he found hope in the power of prayer. Let's read again, Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. So I turned to the Lord. Again, he just finished reading Jeremiah, some prophecies of Jeremiah. He says, so I turned to the Lord and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth. And ashes. Why is he praying? If he's already living out the, the, the 70 years, if he's already living this out, why would he be praying? Well, because he's like, man, I see this promise that you're going to return us back to Jerusalem and, and give us hope and glory and all. I want this to come as soon as possible. God, help us. Right. I prayed to the Lord, my God, and I confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Verse 9 says, The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he 
gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. In verse 17, now our God, hear the prayers and petition of your servants for your sake, Lord. Look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Daniel praises God. He confesses his sins and the sins of the people. Now, we've studied Daniel's life here the past few weeks. Daniel was a good guy. He was an upright guy. He was a man of integrity. And yet still, he's confessing sin. He's still confessing the sin of his people. He's taking responsibility for things that he never did. From history of rebellion and disobedience of his people, he's taking responsibility and bringing it to God and saying, God, forgive us. He petitions God. He doesn't doesn't get afraid of asking God, almost like he's commanding God, but just petitioning him. God, give ear, open your eyes, listen, forgive, hear and act. Do not delay. Daniel is desperately praying in anticipation of God's redemption of his people. Look at the response he gets in verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in a swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. And he instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. How cool is that? While he's praying, while he's speaking, while he's confessing his sin, he gets an answer from the Lord. Why? Because he's highly esteemed in the Lord's eyes. Wouldn't that be cool to be known to God and his angels as one who is highly esteemed? Daniel did not lose faith in the darkness. He stood his ground with conviction and integrity all his life. His hope was found in God's word and he got God's attention. The angel comes and gives an amazing interpretation to the dream. But before we get into that, because we're going to look at that. Daniel's prayer. Look at his at his prayer. He's specific. He's fasting. He's broken. He's humble about sins he probably had nothing to do with. What if if you and I started praying a little bit more like that? Specific, broken, humble thankful, not giving up, confessing the sins of our people. 
being open about the sins in our life with God, but, but then taking responsibility. Hey, you know, God, our church is not blank. God, my small group has just fill in the blank. And we take these sins, sins to God. Who knows? We may become highly esteemed in the eyes of the Lord. You know, Jesus teaches on the power of prayer and how we should always, Luke 18, how we should always pray and not give up. Let me ask you something. It's what, March, end of March? Remember that big prayer you started praying in January? Because it's New Year and New Year prayers. Are you still praying that prayer? Are you still praying that prayer? Or have you given up? A book we read a couple years ago called The Circle Maker, the author Mark Batterson writes this quote. I love this here. It says, the reason many of us give up too soon is that we feel like we have failed if God doesn't answer our prayer. That isn't failure. The only way you can fail is if you stop praying. I love that. The only way... I, I, I have control over what I have control over, and that is how much and how often I'm praying. Will God come to me like the angel Gabriel did to Daniel? Maybe, maybe not. But man, if I'm praying and I'm finding hope in prayer... I may be able to see things a little bit clearer and see things through God's eyes. I want to introduce a story here that we're going to watch a little video here that illustrates the power of prayer. You know, our dear uh, sister, Joanne Duffin, recently, we know Joanne. Joanne, why don't you stand up, Joanne? Joanne's right back here. Come on, Joanne. Let's recognize Joanne Duffin right here. There she is right there. Okay. So Joanne uh, recently told her story about the power of prayer and finding hope in that power. And so we're going to watch this video. I'm not going to give away the story because the story tells itself. It's an amazing story. Let's go ahead and turn off the lights and, and watch this short video here of Joanne Duffin. I've always wondered why bad things happen to good people. But I've come to realize that it's all part of God's plan because at the end he can display his power. God has always promised a rainbow at the end of a storm. A very unfortunate thing happened to me when I was very young. I was only 13 years old. I was taken advantage of by an older man. And when I became pregnant, my mother sent me to live in a convent. When my daughter was born, they took her right out of the delivery room. I didn't get to touch her or bond with her or see her at all. But it was really painful because three weeks later, I had to go and take her to her new parents who adopted her. That was 51 years ago. I've always wondered. But last year specifically, when she turned 50, I prayed deliberately to God, please let me know she's okay. If there's any way you can let me know she was raised okay and that she doesn't hate me for having to give her up for adoption. I was only 14. Eventually, I was able to get married and have three beautiful children. We had wonderful times together. 
I even had twins, boy and girl twins, and it was great. But I always wondered about my daughter and what she looked like. Did she have black hair like mine? Was she still in Chicago? Was she married? Did I have grandchildren yet? All of those things I thought about every single year. Last year, February 20th, 2015, she turned 50. And I remember saying a specific prayer on her birthday. If I can just find her, know she's okay, know that she was raised well, she was happy, if there was any way, if only God. Little did I know that God did hear my prayer, and he found her. So I've always known that I was adopted, and my mom actually, from the day she brought me home, had a little book that was actually for adopted children. And there was all these photos um, in the book of um, me from the first day she brought me home. She actually had a little announcement, like a like a announcement, um, saying that I was adopted. And inside it said, you weren't expected, you were selected. So after a flourish of many emails to each other, we agreed to have a family reunion on January 15th. But then she told me, I can't wait that long. Can I fly you up to Bend, Oregon, where I live? So on December 9th, 2016, I flew to Bend. <laughs> so actually, God really loves when we pray because that gives him the opportunity to show himself, to display his power, to let us know that he's in charge, he's in control. He has a time and a place for everything that happens. An answered prayer is one of his favorites. And she made me this book. And I think what this book represents for me is every single time I thought about her from her very first birthday to when she first started walking to her very first Christmas. It's almost like every single prayer that I had every birthday when I thought about her has been captured in this book. Who would think, after 51 years of praying, that she would be an answer to my prayers? In the midst of darkness, and despair, and the unfairness, and sadness, Joanne was able to find hope in God through prayer. And God answered 51 years later. I'm like full of goosebumps right now, and chills because of the power of God.
Is that not amazing? We serve an incredible God. In the depth of the darkness, we can find hope in God's word, and we can find hope in the power of prayer. Do not give up praying as you are prompted from God's word. I feel like, I just feel like we need to clap for God, for Joanne, just like, (laughs) this is incredible, it's incredible. Lastly, we can find hope in God's grace. The angel Gabriel gives Daniel a glimpse into the future and helps Daniel see a bigger picture of God's salvation for his people. Now, this is a very challenging few verses to read and understand, so I'm going to do my best to simplify it, okay? I need you to bear with me. I need you to be patient with me. But what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to read it and give us the main gist. Now, if you are like really into theology and trying to figure out biblical numbers and stuff like that, go forth and study that on your own. But I'm going to give you sort of the main idea, okay, uh, from this next few verses. And I'm trying to make a point here that's going to, I mean, it may not blow your mind, but it just blew my mind. So I'm going to share it with you anyway. Um, again, we got to remember apocalyptic, what I talked about last Sunday, apocalyptic literature, the symbolism of numbers, the symbolism of images, uh, the idea that the prophets, when they spoke, they were speaking about things in their own lifetime or uh, in their, for their own people, not necessarily the end of mankind or humankind or whatever. Does that make sense? So when we read this, you got to understand, you got to read it through a lens of, okay, there's context to this. We can try to figure this out. Are you guys ready? Thinking caps on. Engage. Go. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Therefore, consider the word, this angel, the angel Gabriel speaking, consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Okay, let's just stop right there. A seven, by many scholars, is considered a seven-year period. It's the most accepted understanding of what that means. So, um, so 77s would be what? 490 years. So at the end of 490 years, uh, atonement, uh, everlasting righteousness would come at the end of those 490 years. Okay. Now, the next verse, 25. Know and understand this. Do we have this on the screen here? I'm sorry. Oops. Okay. Um, Verse 25. Know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until... Uh, the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. So the decree to build, to rebuild Jerusalem that was given in the book of Ezra in 458 B.C., if you add 490 years to that number, you'll come to about 31, 32 A.D., which is the year that Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. It's incredible. Now, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just going to keep on going. Don't stop there. God, basically, God through Daniel is prophesying about Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection over 500 years before it actually happened. 
We're together on this, right? After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination. Uh, one, will, one will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Okay, basically, basically, they're going to be what the overall gist is that the anointed one comes during the 69th seven. So between 483 years after the decree was given to rebuild between 483 years after or between 483 and 490 during that seven year period, the anointed one is coming has come means that Jesus would have come around that time. Now, it's, he will confirm a covenant with many for that one seven, Jesus' ministry and preaching. In the middle, this is where I want to focus on, in the middle of that seven, there's a very subtle hint here. Uh, in the middle of that seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. Seems a bit confusing, okay, because think about this. Jesus actually prophesies about this, and you read Matthew 24. Luke 21, Mark 13. Jesus talks about the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem, okay? So, but that happened about 40 years after Jesus died. So, the prophecy here is saying that in the middle of that 1-7, sacrifice will end, offerings will end, all this stuff will end, meaning he will usher in a new covenant, right? And in the 490th year, uh, the temple will be destroyed, and there it will no longer cease to exist. It will cease to exist. In the middle of that seven, though, Jesus says this, that four ninetieth is not going to happen for another forty years. Basically, okay. Now come back. Come back with me here. Basically, the anointed one. This there's a gap in this prophecy, and what we see here is that God. Some scholars say this. God sort of pressed the pause button on the prophecy after Jesus died to give the Jews another 40 years to repent and accept Jesus and his kingdom. You guys, are you guys with me on this here? Somewhat. Can I get a church says amen or something like just work with me here? Basically. Basically, what we understand through this is we see God's nature, his patience, his long-suffering, his willingness to give his people another chance. There's 490 years of patience. Will they change? Will they repent? There will be trouble. There will be suffering. In the middle of that, Jesus comes and says, you know what, actually it's going to be another 40 years before this whole thing happens. Repent and believe the good news. God is still saying to his people, I'm giving you another shot. Please accept Jesus as Lord. Please. But then we find in, in the year 70, about 40 years after Jesus died, that Emperor Titus comes in and destroys the temple, sets up an abomination that causes desolation, all that kind of stuff. Basically sets up idols of himself, sacrificing swine on the altar, all this kind of stuff that just really annihilates Jewish sacrificial system. What do we understand? Well, I think the Apostle Peter makes it really 
crucial to understand this. But do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Brothers and sisters, this is the heart of God. You may be in the darkest of sin, feeling like God would never accept you. You may feel like he has forgotten you as you are blinded by the darkness and trial that you're in. But he is patient and kind and waiting as he was patient with the Jewish nation. So he is with us today. And you and I can find hope in God's grace when we are in the depth of darkness. I'm not sure where you're at today. Some of you are weighed down by guilt because of unconfessed sin. Some of you have lost hope for your marriage. Some of you are beyond discouraged because of your insecurity in parenting. Some of you are walking around in constant discouragement with a dark cloud hovering above you. Some of you have trusted God but feel like he hasn't blessed your faithfulness because of your circumstances or illnesses or unemployment or underemployment. I'm here to tell you today, there is hope in that darkness. Daniel found it in God's word. Daniel found it in the power of prayer. Daniel found it in the beauty of God's grace. There is hope in the darkness. Cling to God's word. You'll gain comfort and perspective. Go to God in consistent prayer, not giving up, and he will answer. Whether it is while you're praying or 51 years later, God will answer. Hold on to his plan of grace and patience. There is forgiveness. There is hope. There are new chances. Along with that grace, we do see that there was a final destruction of Jerusalem. So God's not slow. God God will keep his promise. Like we talked about last week, you're either going to be broken or you're going to be crushed. Jesus, we're going to take communion this time. I want us to meditate on this verse. Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple in Luke 21. And in the middle of it, 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 it harmonizes with Daniel 9, what we just read. In the middle of it, he makes a statement that I want us to hold on to as we take communion today. Luke 21, verse 17, it says, Everyone will hate you because of me. That's not encouraging. But not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm, and you will win life. Stand firm, and you will win life. Don't give up. God's prayer God's word, prayer, and his grace will give us hope while we're in the darkness or what we feel may be darkness. Jesus tells the guys there, listen, you're going to go through a very, very dark and troublesome time. Stand firm and you will win life. We're going to say a prayer for communion. I want us to focus and meditate on this verse. What will it mean for me this week to stand firm? What will it mean for me this week to find hope in his word?
to find hope in the power of prayer, to find hope in his grace. What will that mean for me this week? As I stand firm. Because if you do, Jesus' promise is real. You will win life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this time in your word. Thank you so much for this time to reflect on the power of prayer. Thank you so much for this time to reflect on your grace. Father, you are so patient. You are so persevering and so faithful to, to, to us. We do not deserve you. Were, you were like this for hundreds of years with your people, with your nation, Israel. And still there was rebellion. There was a stubborn heart. There was disobedience. And you had to fulfill your promise to destroy basically Judaism. But we want to come before you thanking you for Jesus because he brought in and ushered in something brand new. The ability for each one of us to come before you confident and have a personal relationship with you, to be a a part of his body, the church, where we are constantly helping one another, encouraging each other, spurring one another, loving one another. Father, we need this community. Thank you. Father, thank you so much for your promise that if we stand firm, we will win life. In the depth of the darkness and in despair, it is so challenging to stand firm. And I pray that through Daniel 9 and through the verses that we've read today, those of us here who are feeling hopeless about our marriages, about our relationships, about our circumstances, I pray that we would find hope. Thank you for providing hope for each one of us through Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com.